Saturday, 12, 12 p.m. here on September 5th, 2020. How are you guys doing this week? Thanks for checking out the podcast, everyone. The two-and-a-half-hour monologue. No breaks, no editing. I'm the only guy capable of such a feat. Everybody knows it. Please follow me on Twitter, at BravoKiloActual, throughout the week for breaking news, and check out that Instagram, at BKActual. And, guys, let's just go ahead and get right into it. I got tons to get to. Let's start with some international news, as we do, and let's go to Bangladesh, where an explosion at a mosque has killed at least 16 people over there, and this just happened late uh, last night. They think it was caused by a gas leak, and yeah, so far, we're at 16 dead and left 21 people with burns so severe that that death toll could rise further. And so they think gas from an underground pipeline may have leaked into the Baitis Salat Jame Mosque just outside Dhaka. And this mosque had been experiencing power outages, not uncommon in these third world countries. And as the electricity surged back on, sparks from air conditioning units may have ignited fumes. And the mosque happened to be crowded at the time with dozens of people in the two-story building and this happened about 8.30 p.m. local time, and several blasts shook the mosque, and then the whole place caught on fire. At least one child was among the dead. Uh, One police officer said they think that all six air conditioners on the ground floor of the mosque exploded simultaneously, and then only one or two worshipers were able to get out. The rest of them were burned inside. Now, faulty gas pipelines often lead to deaths in Bangladesh. Uh, and two separate accidents involving you know, gas pipelines and these bad cylinders killed at least two people as uh, recently as July and August. And then last fall, seven people died after a gas cylinder used for inflating balloons exploded in that same town of Dhaka. Uh, let's see, anything else in this? Yeah, th- those survivors... Yeah, this doesn't sound good. Some doctors said they have major burns. Their bodies are nearly fully burned, and their airways are also burned very badly. Uh, A doctor is quoted here saying it will be very challenging to save them. So, uh, bad situation there in Bangladesh. Now, what else in world news? Let's go to New Zealand, where they have suspended live cattle exports after this ship sunk off the coast of Japan. And now the animal rights people are uh, all pissed off about this because this is the, uh, it was like a live cattle ship. So a ship left the shores of New Zealand with 43 crew members and nearly 6,000 cows aboard. And the friggin' ship sank. And it's raising all kinds of questions about the ethics of transporting livestock by sea, right? Uh, They want this to be banned. 
this transnational livestock trade. So this was the ship, the Gulf Livestock One. <laughs> Not a very original name. It was carrying 39 crew members from the Philippines and two each from Australia and New Zealand. It left Napier, New Zealand in mid-August, and then it sent a distress call early Wednesday this week near southern Japan, setting off a two-day air and sea rescue mission. Now, two crew members have been rescued and hospitalized. A third man pulled unconscious from the sea was pronounced dead at a Japanese pier. Uh, the carcasses of at least a dozen cows were seen floating in the water, as well as a life jacket. So, they're trying to really uh, regulate this contentious practice of transporting livestock across the ocean, and a lot of times it's going to China. China is the biggest consumer of beef from New Zealand and neighboring Australia, which is another huge cattle exporter. Demand for red meat boomed last year after an outbreak of African swine fever disrupted pork production in China, forcing those importers in China to look for other supplies and other products. Uh, here's some interesting stats. China overtook the United States in 2019 as the biggest market for New Zealand beef. Uh, the coronavirus pandemic did kind of tamp that down a little bit. Uh, but yeah, they're booming over there. Uh, New Zealand is well known for exporting. Nearly 40,000 cattle have been exported so far this year, not just for food, but for uh, breeding. Hmm. What else about this? The animals were thought to have been sold for breeding, not slaughter, on this cargo ship. Oh, God, the New York Times has this picture. There it is, cow just floating right in the middle of the ocean. How about that? It's belly up, too, the feet are sticking in the air. Uh, so these animal rights advocates are saying this transnational livestock trade is very cruel, in part because vessels are usually converted cargo ships that do not meet animal welfare standards. And other critics note that the practice is yet another contributor to climate change by the meat industry, which has a heavy carbon footprint. The world's food system is responsible for about one quarter of the planet warming greenhouse gases that humans generate each year, and meat and dairy have an outside impact. You know, that's why they're always trying to get us to, like, you know, these alternative products, eating bugs, all that stuff, which I'm not opposed to in theory if they can make it taste good enough. Anything else in this? It's an 18-year-old cargo ship. Oh, they have a picture of the cargo ship with all the uh, basically cow cages like stacked on top. And that ship sent a distress call from about 100 miles off the coast of southern Japan. And so then the Japanese Coast Guard kind of answered it. And that was as a typhoon was hitting parts of Japan and South Korea on Thursday. So, yep, they did find a couple guys. Oh, the, they did find a survivor, Eduardo Sereno of the Philippines. And he told the Japanese Coast Guard that the ship had lost an engine as it traversed choppy seas. All right, so we'll see what happens with that. Let's go to this Russia poisoning story that I've been doing for the past couple weeks. You guys have been listening. You've been following it. And this was the uh, Russian dissident. And they are still trying to 
figure out exactly what happened with this guy, this Russian opposition leader, Alexei Navalny. And what they're doing so far is, as you would expect, Russia spinning it, but there's also a lot of pressure now on German Chancellor Angela Merkel because she is supposed to be doing this deal on an $11 billion Russian gas pipeline. And that approach is now coming under a lot of pressure because that Russian dissident is in that German hospital poisoned with a military-grade nerve agent that is held closely and known to be used by the Russian military. And even some members of her own party are insisting that the chancellor should respond by canceling that pipeline project known as Nord Stream 2. And this is a 600, I'm sorry, it is a 764-mile pair of pipelines under the Baltic Sea being built by a consortium led by the Russian energy giant Gazprom, which owns it and would double the capacity for natural gas to flow directly from Russia to Germany. It has been criticized by many for increasing Russian leverage on Germany, but the pipeline is already 94% completed. So see, that's the problem. And Navalny, the opposition leader, is already in Berlin for treatment of that poisoning. So uh, the nerve agent Novichok, I'll have more about that in a minute. You guys have probably heard that name before if you've been listening to the podcast. It hasn't really been publicly confirmed, but that's like the word on the street, so to speak. So Merkel has obviously advocated for trade and diplomatic engagement with both Russia and China, despite their internal repressions and external aggressiveness. So meanwhile, Russia, they're, they're throwing out all kinds of theories in the poisoning of this guy, because obviously they don't want to take any responsibility for it. But uh, they're saying, like one of their theories is the Germans had poisoned Mr. Navalny, or he had poisoned himself, or he was not poisoned at all. Uh, so... One Russian scientist said in an interview on Russian state television that Mr. Navalny, quote, and his supporters are putting on a big theater play, end quote. Now, this guy, oh, that guy they just quoted, he's, his name is Leonard Rink. He was identified as one of the developers of that Novichok group of nerve agents. And he's throwing out there like, yeah, Navalny poisoned himself. But that poison is believed to be closely held by the Russian security services and almost impossible for a civilian to obtain. And then in other explanations, again, offered on state media, an enemy of Russia could have poisoned Navalny or fabricated a poisoning that never occurred with the nefarious goal of embarrassing the Kremlin and harming relations with Germany. So this kind of like, uh, you know, went... On and on and on. And this is a familiar Russian tactic. What they try to do is fill the media with so many possibilities that people don't know what to believe, which should sound familiar to all of you who observe what's going on here. So they put out this range of theoretically possible but highly unlikely alternative explanations. And then everybody kind of decides what they want to believe. Rink, the aforementioned scientist, 
said that it's, hey, it's possible that given the expertise of German chemists that they copied this Russian nerve agent. Hmm. So what is this Novichuk thing exactly? Like I said, if you guys have been listening, you remember. Remember back in 2018 when Western officials use, accused Russia of having used Novichok in that attempted assassination of that former spy in Great Britain covered here on the podcast. And it's been around a long time. It's a potent neurotoxin developed in the Soviet Union and Russia in the 80s and 90s that can be delivered as a liquid powder or aerosol. So uh, very diverse and is said to be more lethal than nerve agents that are better known in the West, like sarin. Novichok, what does it do? It causes muscle spasms that can stop the heart, fluid buildup in the lungs that can also be deadly and damage to other organs, organs and nerve cells. Now, Rush has produced several versions of Novichok, uh, and it is anyone's guess how often they've actually been used because the resulting deaths can easily escape scrutiny, appearing like nothing more sinister than a fatal heart attack. And that was kind of, the they think, the plan in that 2018 case. And that was with Sergei Skripal. That was the former Russian spy who was living in Salisbury, England. Remember, they found him like half dead in that park in March 4th, 2018. And there was no obvious reason to suspect poisoning except that his daughter, who was visiting with him, was suffering from the same symptoms. So they started running tests. They identified the substance as Novichok, and it became this fucking huge scandal, as you guys remember well. Of course, President Vladimir Putin's government has consistently denied any involvement in that incident, again, spinning a series of alternative theories. So there you go. Believe what you want. Who friggin' knows? Now, let's go back home here to the domestic shitstorm where Trump is facing this uproar over reported remarks disparaging fallen soldiers. Now, let me, I, I have the original article from The Atlantic. Let me go to this first and get the exact quotes. And according to The Atlantic, when Trump canceled a visit to the American cemetery near Paris in 2018. Remember that? It was like this is like a couple of years back. It was supposedly he blamed rain for the last minute decision, and documents do back that up, saying that the helicopter couldn't fly and the Secret Service couldn't wouldn't drive him there. Now, what the Atlantic says that is that that claim was false. They said that the reason he did not visit the cemetery was because he feared his hair would become disheveled in the rain and because he did not believe it important to honor American war dead, according to four anonymous sources. And what The Atlantic says, with firsthand knowledge, so that means they were in the room. So there's four people who are in the room. That's what firsthand knowledge means, right? So Trump allegedly said, quote, why would I go to that cemetery? It's filled with losers, end quote. In a separate conversation on the same trip, Trump referred to the more than 1,800 Marines who lost their lives at Bellow Wood, uh, a historic battle, especially for the United States Marine Corps, as, quote, suckers, end quote, for getting killed. Uh, you know, obviously, that's a huge battle in American history. Um, 
and, like I said, the USMC. Uh, what else did he say? Trump, on that same trip, asked aides, quote, who are the good guys in this war, end quote. He also said that he didn't understand why the United States would intervene on the side of the allies. Are these all the... Okay, so those are all the quotes that were allegedly said um, by Trump. Oh, here's another one, too. On Memorial Day of 2017, Trump visited Arlington National Cemetery. He was accompanied on this visit by John Kelly, who was then the Secretary of Homeland Security and who would a short time later be named the White House Chief of Staff. Now, John Kelly's son, Robert, was killed fighting in Afghanistan in 2010. He was a first lieutenant, and he is buried at Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, He was 29 years old. According to sources with knowledge of this visit, Trump, while standing on Robert Kelly's grave, turned directly to his father and said, quote, I don't get it. What was in it for them? End quote. Now, uh, so so those are all so, so those are all the quotes. So let me let me take these <laughs> let me let me take these one at a time. Uh, first of all, can I rule out completely that Trump said this and and was like you know sneering with contempt when he did it? No, I can't rule it out completely because he's a fucking big oaf. And many times, uh, you know, he's a big loud uh, East Coast oaf who runs his mouth. And many times, the running of the mouth is hilarious. And Many times he says some dumb shit. So can I rule out completely that he said this? No. But I will say this. First of all, the fact that a major, I don't know what you call it, magazine, The Atlantic, would run this story with uh, right before an election with only anonymous sources is a fucking embarrassment. Okay. And I don't want to hear about these retired generals anymore. I don't want to hear about these unnamed sources. I'm tired of it. You tell you can't fucking run a story like this. What is, what is the this isn't journalism? You can't run a story like this right before an election with nobody putting their name on it. How could you do that? And hey, John Kelly, you could clear this all up right now. So let's hear it. I mean, it sounds like the part where he was. I mean, when he turned to John Kelly and said, "I don't get," you know, like. It sounds like he was making an observation. Like, that's the thing about these conversations. You could take it any way you want because you're not there and you don't know the tone. Like, there's a big difference between, you know, Trump saying to John Kelly, like, oh, well, dude, why would this is stupid? Why would he do that? You know, or there's, or is he, is he marveling about, like, wow, I can't believe this? You know, like, what what was in it for them to make this sacrifice? That's, you know, it's wild that they were this selfless. You know what I mean? Like the context matters. Uh, so I don't know exactly, but it became this huge shitstorm. And then I saw the media and they all tried to like confirm it. They were like, oh, now the AP is confirming it. I'm like, but they're using anonymous sources too. So none of this means anything. So I don't know. Um, I find it fucking really hard to believe because, you know, you see Trump and you see him with, like, people at the rallies, like the wounded warrior guys all the time, dudes with, like, no arms and shit. And he's always pointing them out and stopping and talking to him and stuff like that. Um, I, I find it fucking very hard to believe that he would just be like, oh, these fucking guys are a bunch of losers. 
if I had to make a guess, I he probably said some something stupid, and then like the Atlantic just took it and made it worse in the worst possible light. I don't know exactly how. Because I will say this. We have many, many people on the record who say they were in there and on that trip who say it didn't happen. But we don't have anybody on the record who says it will happen and will come forward and put their name on it. I mean, supposedly all these guys are former officials, right? So if you're a former what do you have to lose? So fucking come on and tell us. Tired of all these anonymous sources. Give me a break. Um... For his part also, uh, John Bolton, he is no Trump fan, obviously. He said uh, that did not happen in an interview. Uh, he did say, oh, well, it could have been happening in another date or time, blah, blah, blah. But I was, uh, you know, but he said he was there for the discussion about whether to, the Secret Service could fly or not. And he said it didn't happen. So I don't know. You know, it was interesting. Vote Vets, that liberal veterans organization, released an online ad like immediately after it was published. So there was definitely some coordination on this. And uh, as far as the uh, he didn't want to get his hair wet, I've seen the dude doing many rallies in the rain when he's getting like rained on and you can go find the clips on YouTube. So that that does that also doesn't really ring true to me. Uh, let's see what else. The article also said that Trump resisted honoring McCain after the senator's death in 2018. We're not going to support that loser's funeral. The article quotes Trump telling his staff. Okay, so this part, that I do believe. Because, see, McCain personally wronged him. You know, he was like an enemy of Trump. He was an individual guy. I do believe all the stuff he said about McCain. I don't believe the stuff he just said about a bunch of troops like in the graves, like, oh, what a bunch of fucking losers, all these dead. I, I, that, it just doesn't ring true. Does that ring true to you? What rings true to me is him talking shit about specific people who wronged him like McCain. But again, can I completely rule him out say, saying any of this? No, I, I couldn't rule out Trump. If somebody was like, dude, uh, Trump fucking uh, slapped a baby in the face in a White House visit. I mean, you know, right. I'd laugh and I'd say that's ridiculous. But like one or two percent of me is like, eh, you know, I can kind of see that. <laughs> so am I ruling out completely? No. And at the end of the day, does that mean, oh, Trump was a dickhead to the troops. So I'm going to vote for Joe Biden, who is radically uh, his, his stands for like a bunch of shit that I don't want to happen politically. No, it doesn't mean that. Uh, let's see. Anything else about this? More than a dozen, half dozen current and former aides to Mr. Trump backed him up on Twitter, disputing that part of the Atlantic article, right? And this is part with the Secret Service flight um, be scrapped. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said she was there, former White House press secretary. Uh, the person, president's personal aide at the time, Jordan Karem, said this is not close to being fully accurate. Um, Melania Trump said the story is not true. Several generals went on Twitter and said they've seen Trump around like many wounded guys, and that's bullshit, and he's not like that, so I don't know. Back to Bolton. He said he was in the room at the ambassador's residence when Trump arrived, and Mr. Kelly, 
General John Kelly told him that the helicopter trip had to be canceled. A two-hour motorcade would have put him too far away from Air Force One. So, Mr. Bolton said, quote, it was a straight weather call, end quote. Um, while Mr. Bolton said he did not hear the president disparage the troops, he added that Mr. Trump did not protest the decision. Uh, Mr. Bolton said he accepted it, and that was pretty much the end of it. Hmm. All right. Again, more stuff about McCain. And again, I believe all the stuff he said about McCain. Absolutely. Because, uh, yeah, he didn't like them. They hated each other. <laughs> you know? Trump's one of those guys, he wears the shit on his sleeve. You know? If you wrong him ever, if you challenge him ever, he holds a fucking grudge for you for life. We all know that. Uh, so, yes. Oh, I didn't know this. You know that the president's animosity with McCain actually started... Back in 1996, this was in a dispute over a development project when the senator opposed a federal loan guarantee that Trump sought for a West Side project in Manhattan. Hmm, did not know that one. So, um, yeah, huge shitstorm. Now, it's funny that I have a few clips here. W one was the guy who wrote the article, The Atlantic. That's where the article first appeared. The editor-in-chief, Jeffrey Goldberg, and, he, and they were asking him, they're like, hey, why is, it's only anonymous sources. And they're like, and they asked him, like, why are all these sources remaining anonymous? I mean, especially if they're former officials. So let's hear the defense of that. Accounts here of a commander-in-chief stating the most disrespectful things you can imagine uh, about fallen service members, uh, amputees. The president, uh, you know, your uh -huh. story did not want amputees in a military parade because people don't want to see them. I don't believe um, that one either. I'm curious why these people uh, didn't want to go on the record. We're two months from an election, and, and these are horrible insults to service members. D did, did they explain their thinking as to, as to why they wouldn't put their names to these accounts? Well, like, you know, like you, when you're faced with the same situation, you always ask for people to go on the record. Sure. And then ultimately you have to make it when they don't want to go. And we've both experienced uh, why people don't want to go. They don't want to be inundated with uh, angry tweets and, 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 and all the rest. Uh, and we push hard. And okay, I'm going to stop it right there. They don't want to be inundated with angry tweets. So we fucking ask our young privates to come forward and be whistleblowers when they see wrong shit. We ask our young females in the military to come forward in a horribly embarrassing like sexual assault, sexual harassment situation. Oh, but the retired general, they might get mean tweets, you guys. It's very scary. Get the hell out of here. I don't want to hear that shit. That's a fucking complete embarrassment. And you fucking know as well as I do, if some conservative publication ran something that incendiary about, say, I don't know, St. Obama two months before an election, you don't think that they'd be getting blasted for lack of journalistic integrity? I mean, in the past, and by the past, I mean like 10 years ago, no Meet no like self-respecting media publication would have published something like that with nobody on the record. They fucking wouldn't have. But now the rules are changed, and now everybody can just say whatever they want. Oh, anonymous sources. 
Like, really, dude? You really think that Trump was like, I don't want to see amputees in a parade? <laughs> Have you seen him talk to these guys with uh, and, like, hanging out with them and all that stuff? I, I don't know. Again, is it possible? Yes, it is possible. I just have a real heart. It just doesn't ring true. You know, certain things like ring false and ring true. The shit about McCain rings true because he hated him. Uh, and then Trump was asked if he feels a need to apologize. So let's listen to this one. Here we go. To apologize to service members and veterans. No, it was a fake story written by a magazine that was uh, probably not going to be around much longer. But <laughs> it was a totally fake story. And that was confirmed by many people who were actually there. Uh, it was a terrible thing that somebody could say the kind of things, and especially to me, because I've done more for the military than almost anybody else. Uh, you look at how the VA is doing, it's doing incredibly well. Uh, we got I don't know about that all one. sorts of things done, from accountability to veterans' choice to everything. And it's got right now, and it's got right now the highest approval rating that it's ever had 91% approval rating. It's never been anywhere close to that. Uh, nope. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's ever seen anything like it. They've never seen numbers like this before. The ratings are through the roof. It's Trump right there. So there, but it doesn't matter. Whoever, if you hate Trump, you're going to believe every word of it. And I've seen all the social media posts. Yes, so spare me. Uh, and if you like Trump, you're not going to believe any of it. So like oftentimes happens, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. All right, so let's leave that one there. You guys move on. Let's go to Afghanistan. Uh, if you've been listening, you recall that we've been kind of hung up on this prisoner swap for the peace deal. Well, the Afghan government has now said that a repeatedly stalled prisoner swap with the Taliban had largely been completed on Thursday. And that does potentially remove the final hurdle for direct negotiations with the insurgents to end the country's long war. Remember, they've been meeting in, uh, or preparations anyway, have been underway for months in Doha, uh, Qatar's capital, for the two sides to meet there and begin negotiating an end to the war. But the Taliban refused to start those talks until the Afghan government released the last of those 5,000 prisoners whom the United States had committed to freeing in a deal back in February. So a spokesman for the Afghan National Security Council said all but, quote, a few end quote, of the 400 remaining Taliban had been freed after the Taliban released Afghan commandos that they had been holding. Now, the remainder that they still have in custody uh, are about a half a dozen prisoners who are said to have killed American, Australian, and French citizens, and whose release those three countries lobbied to block, even as we, America, push the Afghans to speed up the freeing of the prisoners. Uh, let's see. Anything else about this? Well, remember the agreement in February initiated the departure of the roughly 12,000 remaining American troops in Afghanistan over 14 months in return for the Taliban's committing to keeping Afghan territory from being used as a base for international terrorist attacks. Okay, well... <laughs> Once we're gone, all fucking bets are off, and they're going to do whatever they want. Everybody knows that. Uh, Ashraf Ghani, the president of Afghanistan, he actually didn't like the deal. 
He said that the uh, Americans had left his country vulnerable by negotiating away the two biggest points of leverage he has against the Taliban. One, the detention of those insurgent prisoners, and two, the presence of U.S. troops, and they did it without more insurances from the insurgents. Uh, the Afghan government initially opposed that prisoner release, but relented after heavy pressure from the Trump administration, which seized the peace deal as a way out of the long and expensive war. That's for sure. Hmm, anything else about this? Yeah, they. Yeah, they had. They just have a handful left, so we'll see what happens there. Let's go over to Israel. And Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel privately went along with a plan for the Trump administration to sell advanced weapons to the United Arab Emirates, despite publicly saying that he opposed the arms deal. So Netanyahu chose not to try to block the deal as he took part in a broader effort in recent months to secure a diplomatic breakthrough normalizing those relations between Israel and the UAE. Remember, Trump announced that initiative to a big deal last month without mentioning the arms discussions that were proceeding at the same time. But after news of the arms sale became public last month, the Israeli prime minister repeatedly denied he had given assurances to the Trump administration that Israel would not oppose the Emirati arms deal. The officials said Netanyahu's public statements were false. He then stopped publicly complaining about that proposed arms sale after meeting with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. So the White House is trying to sell all these weapons to the UAE, including F-35 fighter jets and Reaper drones and EA-18 Golf Growler jets. Those are those electronic warfare planes. They jam enemy air defenses. So the UAE has long wanted a, a more advanced uh, military, but Israelis kind of feared the balance of power over there. But now that they're getting all buddy-buddy with each other, uh, it sounds like it's going to happen. So big doings in the Middle East. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, let's uh, move back here to the United States really quickly. Uh, guys, right now, as I record this podcast, we have uh, some good old-fashioned uh, militiamen fighting with the uh, Black Lives Matter protesters already. <laughs> God. If for, you, know what I, I'm fa- you know what I'm fascinated by? For all their fighting about whether or not to open up the country from COVID, nobody mentions the biggest reason, which is like, we need these fucking people to go back to work because people have way too much time on their hands to go like, you know, cosplay with their long guns or fucking, uh, you know, these, these skinny white people who are all of a sudden uh, passionate about the Black Lives Matter movement. And they're all, they all want to fight each other. Like, we need to get these people back to work, for Christ's sakes. But yes, in Kentucky, it is Kentucky Derby Day. So we have heavily armed Trump supporters in combat gear fighting with BLM protesters marching for Breonna Taylor in Louisville as fans are arriving at Churchill Downs. Early this morning, about 200 far-right activists called the Angry Vikings hmm, gathered at Cox Park with semi-automatic weapons vowing to protect the city from any destruction brought 
by protesters. Uh, remember, Brianna Taylor was that 26-year-old EMT who was shot to death in her home by Louisville cops during that botched police raid back in March. Uh, so the horse racing event itself is supposed to be going on, but there won't be any spectators actually allowed, of course, due to the coronavirus. So I'm sure we'll get some good video out of that uh, for later. We'll keep an eye on that. And speaking of guys running around with long guns, how about this one? <laughs> Dude, this story is nuts. Two Boogaloo boys are being charged with attempting to team up with Hamas to blow up a courthouse and assassinate U.S. senators after one gave an interview at Minneapolis George Floyd protest saying, quote, it's time heavily armed rednecks stand up, end quote. These guys are being arrested and held on federal charges on a, of attempting to support terror. Michael Solomon, 30, and Benjamin Teeter, 22. And yes, they are self-described boogaloo boys. Those, of course, those anti-government extremists that advocate for the violent overthrow of the federal government. And they had traveled to Minnesota support to support the protests against police brutality. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of a odd. Uh, it's kind of an odd mix. It's the old, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. Because you would think their politics are nothing like the BLM people, but they want that same goal, which is to get rid of law enforcement and to overthrow the government. So. An FBI informant, an undercover agent, actually recorded them. And yeah, they, they discussed a plot to blow up this county courthouse with C4. Uh, that's great. God, these idiots. And I wonder, like I said, I, I'm fascinated with the informants, the, the, uh, or the, uh, you know, the FBI guys who get to, like, be the undercover agents for that, you know, and pretend to be like a Hamas, <laughs> a Hamas terrorist. Uh, of course, Hamas, by the way, I should add, is the Palestinian Sunni Islamic fundamentalist militant group. It is federally designated as a foreign terrorist organization. How did this go down exactly? Oh, they also conspired to build illegal silencers and delivered them to an undercover agent whom they believed was a Hamas operative. Teeter, these see these guys, see, you know they're not a threat because their OPSEC is so terrible. Teeter, one of the dopes, he wrote on Facebook, Quote, lock and load, boys. Bug flags are in the air and the national network is going off, end quote. Like, dude, if you fucking want, if you really, truly wanted to do all this, I don't know, maybe don't talk about it on social media. Just a fucking thought. A little tip for you. <laughs> These guys, man. Oh, they have a, oh, you know what? I remember these guys now. Dude, this was, they, they, these were a couple of the guys who were standing with their long guns in front of one of the stores to protect it from looting in Minneapolis. You guys probably saw, I'm, I'm betting you saw this clip floating around at the time a few months ago. According to the indictment, by the way, these guys first came onto the FBI's radar when a witness came forward and reported disturbing 
encounters with the two men who were staying temporarily at the witness's home with firearms and a shitload of ammo. The witness said that Solomon claimed his group, the Bujahadeen, very good, was opposed to the police, white supremacists, and looters, and his ultimate goal was to remove the police from Minneapolis and to overthrow the U.S. government. So then, <laughs> this, I love how it works. So then, after the FBI gets this, a paid informant for the Bureau, probably some Middle Eastern guy, made contact with Solomon on Facebook under the guise of being a member of Hamas. And he went on to have meetings with the two of these fucking clowns, which were covertly recorded by the FBI. And that's when they started discussing plans to provide untraceable weapons and silencers to Hamas to use against the American government and U.S. forces in the Middle East. Wow. They wanted to blow up the courthouse because it was, quote, a symbol of the unjust laws that America upholds, end quote. Oh, this is fantastic. The Daily Mail, uh, man, the Daily Mail has a really long rundown of this. Definitely go check it out. They also plan to raid the headquarters of a white supremacist organization in North Carolina and kill a bunch of them. So like so don't confuse the boogaloo movement with like the white supremacist movement. Now sometimes they juxtapose, oftentimes they do not. Oh, there's some great quotes in here. Teeter says, quote, I shoot precision long range bolt rifles. I do most of my shooting beyond half a mile. And I can easily with a well equipped rifle do most of uh with a well equipped rifle shoot to fifteen hundred yards. All right, well, you're effed in the A, bud. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, let's go to what's happening in New York. And what exactly happened? You probably saw the riots going on. I retweeted some of the uh, some of the good rioting last night. Well, a black man did die of suffocation in Rochester, New York, after police officers were taking him into custody, put a hood over his head, and then pressed his face into the pavement for two minutes. His name was Daniel Prude, 41 years old. So he died seven days later after being removed from life support. Uh, the officers involved are still in the force. I believe they have been suspended. So his brother, Joe Prude, called 911 on March 23rd after uh, Daniel, who was visiting, ran out of his home in an erratic state. He had been taken to a hospital the previous day after he apparently began experiencing mental health problems. He was running through the street after leaving his brother's home before Rochester police officers detained him. Uh, he was nude at the time, by the way. A truck driver called 911 also, saying that a nude man was trying to break into a car and saying that he had the coronavirus. So... One video showed Prude, who had taken off his clothes at this point, with his hands behind the back, and he was standing on the pavement in handcuffs, shouting, before officers put a so-called spit hood on his head. Obviously, in an effort to prevent him from spitting on them. New York, by the way, this is in March, too. So this is like early coronavirus, so everybody's like freaked out. And after the hood's placed over his head, he becomes more agitated. At one point, he's screaming, Give me that gun! Give me that gun! And then three officers push him to the ground. And they keep telling him, Stop spitting, stop spitting, calm down. 
uh, after he, he stopped moving for a little while, then the same officer can be heard asking, are you good, man? And then the paramedics came in and all that. Now, according to the autopsy report, they said he, uh, they, they, they are calling his death a homicide caused by complications of asphyxia and the setting of physical restraint. Uh, contributing factors were the drug PCP that was in his system. Yeah, I'd say that's a fucking big contributing factor. And now his brother's all pissed off, um, saying the cops like murdered him in cold blood and all that. And, you know, it's just like, it's the same. I'm sorry the guy died. I am. But are there any adults who are going to go up to his brother and be like, dude, your fucking brother was on PCP, dude, and spitting at the cops? Is there no amount of responsibility that any of these people can take for their own actions or not? I'm just fucking tired of listening to it all. It's always the same shit. It's all, it's it's always the cops' fault. And yes, sometimes the cops fuck up, as we've seen. But the, the, these guys, ninety nine percent of the time, the dude is doing something to cause the cops to help aid the cops in fucking up, like being on PCP and running through the streets naked and instigating the police to come in the first place. So then what? Take some fucking responsibility. You're his brother, bro. How about you fucking knock the PCP out of his hand? I don't know. And now the protesters are all pissed off. And I'm like, good. So now they're marching through the street and burning shit down again in Rochester all over a fucking guy running through the streets naked on PCP. I mean, come on. Like I said, I'm sorry it happened, but you know what? There's no per is there any personal responsibility for anybody's actions anymore? I'm just asking. Oh, and uh quickly, I'm gonna get back to this later. You remember uh so and speaking of like police killings, we've heavily covered the Jacob Blake uh killing, obviously, uh Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I'll have more about Kenosha in a moment, but you know, his dad, Jacob Blake Sr., he's been um, making the rounds on the lecture circuit at all the protest circuit. And, and uh, so they went ahead and, uh, you know, rule number one, guys, if you suddenly become a public figure, you're going to want to scrub your social media, especially if, like Jacob Blake Sr., it's filled with uh, anti-Semitic and racist anti-Christian posts also because it doesn't sound very good. For example... Uh, he posted a video about the September 11th, 2001 terror attack saying, quote, man, I give a fuck about 911, end quote. Uh, he also wrote, quote, a Jew can't tell me shit, period, end quote. Uh, he wrote uh, more, uh, more he, he seemed to be very fascinated with the Jewish people. He said, quote, the same pink-toed Jewish people that control the interest rate control the media, the control minds and money, end quote, okay? Oh, and then they went on to say, quote, the Jewish media picks and chooses who is a terrorist and is not, end quote. I know I'm, I'm trying to work around his bad grammar. Bear with me. Oh, here's a good one. Quote, a cracker Jew can do whatever to a white woman for years, but let a jig try it, end quote, Okay. Uh, so, yeah, well, Joe Biden thought this was just fantastic because he went and met with him while he's in Kenosha. So, 
Can you imagine if fucking Trump met with some fucking white guy who was saying shit like that? Oh, my God. The media would fucking have a conniption. Ah, there's no rules, though, anymore. Okay, let's go to a quick coronavirus update and see where we're at here. All right, what's our count? Coronavirus cases worldwide, 26,949,078 confirmed cases with 881,347 deaths. And in the USA, we have a total case count, confirmed cases, 6,408,594. And our deaths are 192,403. Whew. Yeah, and no sign of slowing down. And they think it, uh, you know, it's hard to, like I was saying earlier, it's hard to tell what's real anymore or not. Because now, like they're saying, dude, it's they have models now that show we're going to be at 400,000 dead before uh, winter's even over. So who friggin' knows? Let's go to the New York Times uh, latest updates page. How about this one? Northeastern University dismissed 11 freshman students this week for violating safety protocols and said they're not going to refund their $36,500 tuition after the students were discovered crowded into a room at a Boston hotel serving as a temporary dorm. First first of all, that's for one semester. $36,500 fucking dollars for one semester. Oh, and you're not going to get the bullshit. They're not going to give it back. They're out of their goddamn minds if they think they're going to get that, keep that money. And the students were not wearing masks or practicing social distancing in defiance of university requirements. It, it, this is impossible to stop. You think you're going to stop fucking kids from partying on campus? It's you're just not going to. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Let's deal with reality here. It's just not. Purdue University suspended 36 students after they were caught partying. And at the University of Connecticut, several students were evicted from campus housing over a mask-free dorm bash. Oh, and by the way, breaking, I don't have it in front of me, but I saw it scanning Twitter quickly before I started. San Diego State University here in California, they just issued a a stay-at-home order for students living on campus. So... um, because they just had a coronavirus uh, flare up there. Yeah, a stay in the dorm order. Man. Oh, those dismissed students at Northeastern, they will not be allowed to attend fall classes even remotely. Dude, yeah, 36,500. That's the big thing. What else? The first famines of the coronavirus era are looming in four areas. Yemen, South Sudan, Northeastern Nigeria, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, they said the risk of famines in these areas had been intensified by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, let's see, what else do I have on my latest updates page? New cases have spiked a new cases spiked a month after Memorial Day, so now they're uh, scared that's going to happen again because, of course, this weekend is Labor Day. I can tell you right now the beaches here are going to be packed and it's going to be hot as shit. So it's already warm as hell in my apartment right now. The world's spy agencies are racing to steal vaccine research. Every major country spy service around the globe is trying to figure out how 
and what everybody else is up to in developing a vaccine. China, Russia, and Iran have all made attempts to steal research by some of the U.S.'s top companies and universities, according to U.S. intelligence. Uh, and British intelligence has picked up signals of Russian spying on U.S., Canadian, and British research as well. Hmm. The pandemic's economic woes have forced more than 100 Catholic schools to shut down for good. Yeah. They, uh, that is equal to about 2% of the Catholic schools in the United States. And they just can't pay the tuition for it anymore. Uh, protesters in Melbourne, Australia, shout out to my listeners in Australia. I know I have a lot of them are fighting with the cops at an anti-lockdown rally. They had a Freedom Day rally on Saturday calling for an end to tough lockdown restrictions. The cops arrested 17 protesters and fined more than 160 others. It was only like 200 protesters. And they faced off against 100 officers, some on horseback or in riot gear. See? The Aussies know. Horses, dude. How You guys are... I've been screaming it for months. Where are the horse... Where are the mounted police? You get a fucking row of mounted cops, and I've seen a few of them here and there. Like, in, I think in Texas, they had the mounted cops. Those will fucking clear out a street real quick, those mounted police. Uh, from around the world, uh, let's see, Mexico says that uh, some states where the virus is surging, including Mexico and Baja, California, had run out of death certificates. He said that more than a million new death certificates have been printed. The A New York Times investigation in the spring found that the government was not reporting hundreds or possibly thousands of such coronavirus deaths in Mexico City. A former prime minister of the Cook Islands Joseph Williams died of COVID-19 in New Zealand. Uh, let's see. What else do I have here in the latest? Anything good? Well, let's talk about India for a minute. You remember India in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic? They were like seeing like, wow, it's so impressive because they seem, everybody's like really freaked out about India because they have a shitload of people and they're crammed in very close quarters, but they didn't seem to be getting hit very hard. And... Before the coronavirus, India looked like it was going to be the next powerhouse. The economy was on fire. Uh, you know, they were trying to give his people a much more of a middle-class lifestyle, but the economic devastation caused by the coronavirus pandemic is just crushing them right now. Their country's economy has shrunk faster than any other major nations, like 20% plus. As many as 200 million people could slip back into poverty. Much of this damage was caused by a lockdown imposed by Prime Minister Narendra Modi that experts now say was both too tight and too porous. Well, what do you... See, there's nothing either way. It both hurt the economy and spread the virus. India now has the fastest-growing coronavirus outbreak with more than 80,000 new infections reported each day. The country has now topped 4 million confirmed cases. And their economic engine has just been fucking crushed. So, And like I said, in those Indian slums, once the coronavirus you know, starts going wild in there, I mean, look out. 
Uh, just briefly, quickly, guys, a few other interesting coronavirus-adjacent stories. Uh, did you see the Penn State story? This went all around the lockdown, the pro-lockdown people on Twitter. A Penn State athletics medical expert highlighted the link between coronavirus and heart problems, particularly myocarditis in Big Ten athletes. He said that 30 to 35% of COVID-positive Big Ten athletes, symptomatic or not, suffered from myocarditis. That's an inflammation of the heart muscle that can potentially be fatal if left unchecked. So that went all around, and everybody's like, well, that's it. Shut down sports immediately. But then later in the same day, after this went hysterically through the media, Penn State did offer a correction. Uh, the doctor's myocarditis numbers were unintentionally inflated. Only 15% of infected athletes in the study actually showed heart problems. Plus, no Penn State players who tested positive for COVID-19 have myocarditis. So it doesn't matter. The, it's, the correction's too late. But it just shows you, again, like how little we know about this thing still. Uh, we've been tracking that Russian coronavirus vaccine. Allegedly, this is the Sputnik V or Sputnik V vaccine. And the first batch of public data from this vaccine showed that it was safe and did produce an immune response. However, no one knows yet whether it prevents coronavirus infections. And this was roundly criticized at the time because they decided to approve this before clinical trials had proved it safe and effective. But yeah, in a small group of volunteers, the scientists found that the vaccine produced a modest level of antibodies against the coronavirus. And uh, Putin announced with great fanfare that the vaccine works effectively enough to be approved but some vaccine developers are denouncing the decision, observing that no data had been published on the vaccine. And they also point out that the Russian scientists had yet to run a large trial of tens of thousands of people, which is required to demonstrate that a vaccine works. However, this new paper was published in the Lancet, the prestigious medical journal, and the one doctor at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health does say, quote, the science looks like it was done impeccably, end quote. But that same doctor did caution that no one will know if Sputnik V is safe and effective until the larger trials are completed. Okay. And yes, again, they are really worried about a second coronavirus. Uh, it's really hitting Spain. The coronavirus is spreading much faster in Spain than anywhere else in Europe. And finally, to wrap up our coronavirus update, uh, just on a fucking slightly amusing note, since everything sucks now, Canada's top medical officer suggested that residents wear masks when having sex with a partner for the first time. <laughs> so this was Teresa Tam. And she made the statement, along with other tips, addressing how Canadians could minimize the risk of transmitting the virus during sexual encounters. And yes, one of them was to wear a mask with a new partner. Oh, this is funny, too. She also added, quote, the lowest risk sexual activity during COVID-19 involves yourself alone, end quote. So, so she's like, don't even bother, just jack it. 
That's no problem for me, you guys. I'm glad to wear a mask. Um, I've actually been wearing masks with uh, new sexual partners for about 20 years now. So this this will be an easy, easy thing for me to do. I, I like to go with the clown mask on the first time just to really set the mood. Oh, God. What kind of world are we living in in 2020, for God's sakes? Okay, what else? Let's uh, keep going around the world here. We've got a few more. Let's go to Ethiopia. On the guidance of the White House, the State Department said this week that the United States was suspending some aid to Ethiopia over the lack of progress in the country's talks with Egypt and Sudan over a disputed dam project it is completing on the Nile River. It was an unusual example of Trump's direct intervention on an issue in Africa, a continent he has not visited as president, and rarely mentions publicly, but this dam is a big deal over there. It centers on two of Africa's most populous and powerful nations, Ethiopia and Egypt. So it's not clear how many millions of dollars in aid are being affected. Um, but what's up with this dam? Well, Africa's largest hydroelectric dam has caused severe tensions with Egypt, which has called it an existential threat and worries that it will reduce the country's share of Nile waters. Ethiopia says that the $4.6 billion dam will be an engine of development that will pull, pull, excuse me, pull millions of people out of poverty. Sudan, in the middle, worries about the effects of its own dams, though it stands to benefit from access to cheap electricity. So they've, they've been talking about this dam for years. And all these talks for years have failed to come to an agreement. Like, how are we going to handle releasing water from the dam during multi-year droughts? How are we going to resolve future disputes about how to release the water? All this stuff. So the U.S. tried to mediate the discussions at one point earlier this year, but Ethiopia walked off amid accusations that Washington was siding with Egypt. So now the African Union is leading the negotiations. And Ethiopia is saying, hey, you know what? We're going to fill this dam with or without a deal with Egypt and Sudan. So, you know, fucking deal with it. Keep an eye on that one. I know it's a little dry, you guys, but this is, this is like important shit, so... You know the deal. Some of this some of this news that I do is not really the most exciting stuff in the world, but it's important. Let's go back to India really quick. India um, is banning Chinese phone apps as tensions continue to escalate along its disputed border with China. You guys remember this. I've covered talked about this disputed border before. An Indian soldier was reportedly killed earlier this week by a Chinese landmine. So the Indian government is blocking Chinese apps from its huge domestic market as a way to strike back against China. And these new measures will prevent Indians from gaining easy access to 118 different Chinese apps, including the popular video game called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which has over 50 million players in India alone. Some of the banned Chinese apps you might have heard, Baidu, Alipay, and some versions of the messaging app WeChat. And those are uh, operated by the largest Chinese internet companies, such as Tencent and Ant Financial. 
remember they're they're locked in that bitter border dispute that go back way you know in history and i covered it a few podcasts back remember the chinese forces they beat to death those 20 indian soldiers in the fucking fist fighting up in the mountains yeah so that goes way back as well all right what else how about uh let's go to this one oh this is uh you guys know i love the dating app stories How about this? A New York woman is suing a Tinder date for sending a racy picture she sent to him to her dad as revenge porn after she backed out of a threesome with him and his girlfriend. Okay, you guys got all that? This is an unnamed, they're keeping her name private. She followed a lot. She filed a lawsuit against a guy named Jeffrey Berger. They started speaking on Tinder in August of 2019 and then spoke on the phone for months. What? See, I don't, I don't get this. Don't, uh, I, I don't get the, the, I, and I've heard this from chicks who are on social media dating apps. They're like, oh yeah, I've been talking with this guy on this dating app for like months. And I'm like, well, I was like, have you gone out? I'm like, no. I'm like, well, what's the point of that? I don't know. I guess a lot of it, they just want to text. I don't know. I don't get that. Okay, so anyway, she started talking to this guy on Tinder, spoke on the phone. They started swapping uh, naked pictures, including one where her genitals were exposed. So they were due to finally meet up for a threesome with him and his girlfriend. They had a video call. FaceTime or something, and the woman became uncomfortable. So then after she, she's like, I don't want to do it. So after she backed out, Berger, the dude, sent her naked picture to her father's work email account, and now she's suing him for a million dollars. And yes, one of those pictures, um, yeah, her genitals were exposed. So yeah, there's like laws against this shit now. Hmm. Yep, and now she says she's got panic attacks from it. So, yep, don't do that. That's like, yeah, you'll go to jail. At least in California, that's against the law here, the revenge porn law. You can't do that anymore. And then speaking of uh, people and their weird sexual perversions, uh, I, I think I mentioned this guy a little while ago, that comedian, Chris Delia. He's very popular on YouTube, Instagram. And he is now being accused of exposing himself. That's right. And this is a, a this comes on top of his previous uh, problems with allegedly exposing himself. And many women are coming forward now, saying that Chris Delia just likes to fucking basically pull it out. I'm looking through the CNN story, which is horribly written. Uh, But yes, three women are talking to the LA Times and CNN, among others, and they all told CNN that Delia exposed himself to them on separate occasions without their consent. He is denying these allegations. He's known for his edgy stand-up comedy. He's already been dropped by his representatives, so he's denying all this. So... Oh, here's the specifics of what happened with at least one woman. She said she met him a handful of times before, considered him an acquaintance. Uh, They were at some restaurant, whatever. 
Delia asked her for a ride home. She said, sure. This is pre-Uber. So they walked up to her car, which was parked. And once they were inside the car, she's like, where are we going? And he's leaning up against the door of the passenger side and looking at me in this really weird way. And then he started to make flirty small talk. And then she recalled, quote, I was very confused because it just didn't fit the moment. Then he took down his zipper and asked me to touch him. And I said, what are you doing? No. And because I wouldn't touch him, he started to masturbate. I couldn't believe it, end quote. <laughs> oh, shit. He finished. That's right. She said she got up and got out of the car. And I remember saying, this is all her quotes, you're defiling my car. I didn't want to make him mad or upset because you're in survival mode, you know, she said. Oh, God. And then, quote, he climaxed in his pants, and then he zipped everything up, and I said, what's wrong with you? End quote. <laughs> that, I mean, that's awfully specific. You guys know my rule. The more it, CNN has a big story about it. The rule for me generally is if it's if the more detail, the more I'm apt to believe the story. If it's just like a vague thing, you know, like oh, he grabbed me one, and then I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. But like that much detail. Hmm. All right, guys, let us go to the political roundup. I got a ton of clips. Uh, first, let me note there was an election, a primary election. Senator Edward Markey turned back a primary challenge Tuesday from Representative Joseph Kennedy III, handing the Kennedy family its first ever electoral loss in Massachusetts and demonstrating the growing strength of the progressive left. And this was kind of an opposite thing because Markey is the old guy, but he's seen as like the big lib where young Joe Kennedy is seen as like, you know, more of a centrist, I guess. Which I I mean really I don't I I really doubt there's a lot of difference between their political ideas. But yeah, Markey's seventy four, Kennedy's thirty nine, and Markey's been in Congress since nineteen seventy six. Uh so yeah, he did hold off Joe Kennedy. Now, let's go to the clips. We had a lot of exciting clips from sleepy Joe Biden. And he was all over the place. First of all, he spoke out against the uh, rioting. And he didn't, he, people were not happy with this, but let's listen to Joe Biden here. Senseless violence of looting and burning and destruction of property. I want to make it absolutely clear, something very clear about all of this. Rioting is not protesting. Looting is not protesting. Setting fires is not protesting. None of this is protesting. It's lawlessness, plain and simple. Okay, good for him. He finally said it. And uh, he's absolutely right, but uh, people were not happy with him at all. All right, and let's go to Joe. He fucking had a, uh, a like this kind of event in Delaware, and it was a complete embarrassment. Like, the media is shockingly embarrassing. These softball questions they're throwing at him. So the first question I ask him is about Trump and that Atlantic article, of course. Uh, let's, uh, so I've, I'm going to play a few questions here. Here's, uh, here's the media talking to Joe. Just staring around. Thank you, sir. 
Uh, this morning, in reference to that article in The Atlantic, in a call convened by your campaign, Kazir Khan said that uh, the comments demonstrated that President Trump's life is a testament to selfish, selfless, selfishness and that his soul is that of a coward. You've talked about this as a different view of how you see the job of president. But when you hear these remarks, suckers, losers, recoiling from amputees, what does it tell you about President Trump's soul and the life he leads? Okay, so I'm not even going to play the answer because that's just like a sample. Oh, and by the way, he could not call on the reporters himself. He was telling his staffers to call from a pre-written list of people. I mean, so he can't even, what, he can't point? At a reporter, let's hear. Let's hear him. Here we go. I guess are you calling on people, or how am I? I don't have a list, so you go ahead and call. Why should there be? Okay, so you heard him. I don't have a list. A list of what? Oh, the pre-approved questions and reporters in the first place. I don't know. Uh, I have. There was actually somebody printed out on Twitter a list of questions that he asked. They're not exact quotes, but like. They're just stupid. Like the first question you heard, what about Trump's soul? The second question is, what would you say to supporters of QAnon? Uh, another question is, um, uh, have you been tested for COVID-19? Another question was, do you know when you will have another COVID-19 test? Uh, you said today is the angriest you have been at as a presidential candidate. So in other words, my point being here is there's no questions about fucking really like the ongoing pandemic. There's no questions about Afghanistan. There's no questions about Iraq or Syria or energy policy or fucking literally anything that matters. Instead, it's all crap like this. As a matter of, and I wasn't the only one who thought this. Here's a, a famous never Trumper. This is a guy on Fox News who hates Trump. His name's Chris Steyerwalt, but he said this fucking uh, press conference that that I just listed those questions for was a complete embarrassment. Let's listen. Well, to before said. I do that, I maybe you'll indulge me in a little bit of professional uh, uh, outrage. So seldom okay. do reporters get to ask Joe Biden questions. So seldom do reporters get. This is the second time, really, in quite a while, the reporters have had a chance to ask Joe Biden questions, and that was shamefully embarrassing. I mean, there were uh, two questions in there maybe that could have been considered adversarial, but that was as bad as when Trump calls on some niche public some niche pro-Trump publication to ask him what, you know, how how magnificent his magnificence is. That was a sustain <laughs> from reporter after reporter asking Joe Biden for more dumping on Donald Trump. The reporter starts out dumps on Donald Trump. Uh, go ahead and dump on him now. And then my favorite question was, my favorite question was, uh, yes, I know, which I know you're, you're angry say. about the things. What does it say about his I know, soul? I know that you're angry about the things. Uh, I, I know that you're angry about the things that the President Trump said about uh, those killed in war. Uh, why aren't you showing more of your anger? Aren't you afraid that your, report, that your supporters won't think that you're angry enough? And I'm just sitting here listening, thinking, don't you want to know about his plans? Don't you want to yes, know about the controversy surrounding his plans? Don't you want to know anything? Okay, and just for example, I have. A, if I was there, I would have been like, uh, yes, uh, uh, Mr. Biden, your vice presidential running mate, Kamala Harris, has often expect, uh, expressed support and your staff has expressed support for bailing out all of the rioters, looters, and arsonists in Minneapolis. Indeed, 
Mr. Biden, uh, Senator Kamala Harris actually tweeted out the link to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which we now know has bailed out people, for example, accused of murder, along with arson and looting. How is, what's your reaction to that, Mr. Biden? Do you agree with your vice presidential candidate, Mr. Biden? See, that's a fucking question that I would ask, but I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a professional reporter, though. Friggin' joke. Oh, and then Trump slammed him, too, about the press conference. Let's listen to this a little bit. Former so-called employees. Well, my, my question is sort of about that. I mean, the notable voice that's been missing from the denials is your former chief of staff, John Kelly, who was obviously intimately involved in this. What, how are we supposed well, to read look, the fact the, that John Kelly thing. hasn't? I know John Kelly. He was with me. Didn't do a good job. Had no temperament. And ultimately, he was petered out. He, got, he was exhausted. This man was totally exhausted. He wasn't even able to function in the last number He's of to get to the he press was not in a minute. able to function. He was sort of a tough guy. By the time he got eaten up in this world, it's a different world than he was used to, he was unable to function. And I told him, John, you're going to have to go. Please give me a letter of resignation. And we did that. And now he goes out and bad, bad mouths. Now, there are people that are jealous. There are people that are upset that they're not here anymore. There are people that we've done an incredible job. The virus came in, and now we're doing an incredible job again. We're going to build it up bigger than it was before the virus came in. But uh, I don't know that it was him. I haven't seen that. I mean, I see anonymous, but it could have been a guy like a John Kelly. Because he was, because just so you understand, he was a very, uh, you look at some of his news conferences, what happened to him. He got eaten alive. He was unable to handle the pressure of this job. This job was a tough job. Mark Meadows doing a great job. But Kelly was unable to do that. And as far as that day, I mean, we have so much proof as to going to the we I went to right. You know, I'm just gonna say he does he does eventually get into the press conference with Joe Biden, but it seems to he wanted went on this extended rant first about uh John Kelly. And the whole thing. And apparently this clip is like really long and it, I guess it gets to it at the end. Okay, here we go. Um, let's listen to this part right here. Smiles on faces of reporters, not like you and you. There were smiles on the reporters. What do you think? Take a look at those questions that they asked him. They were not meant for a grown-up. They were meant for a child. So I just <laughs> want to just tell you, I just want to tell you, it's a disgrace because you look at what I've done for the United States military. Yeah, okay, or back to that again. Basically, yeah. But if you know what the thing is, go seriously, you guys, objectively, go look at Joe Biden while he's he's his eyes are glued to the teleprompter and they're just vacant. He has like no go watch video of Joe Biden even in like 2008 when he's running with Obama and look at the fucking difference. It's no there's no shame in it. I've said it before, there's no shame in it, guys. Father time comes for us all, right? The man is fucking out of it. I'm telling you. Uh, I've got a few more. Like, he here's one. Here's a clip of Joe Biden. And this is with a teleprompter. Okay, keep that in mind. Let's listen to this. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, it's taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's a, when you think about it, more lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. What the fuck is he saying there? You know, it's just all like a big jumble in his head. 
here's another one where he kind of stumbles and bumbles. Thank you, around. Mr. Vice President. Uh, two quick questions for you, if I may. Uh, first, ahead of your trip to Kenosha, Wisconsin tomorrow, uh, last week your running mate, Senator Harris, said that uh, the officer who shot Jacob Blake, based on what she has seen, should be charged. Do you agree with her, and do you also believe the same for the officers who were involved in the death of Breonna Taylor? I think we should let the, uh, the judicial system work its way. I do think there's a minimum need to be charged, the officers, and as well, well as Breonna Taylor. And uh, I might add, by the way, I think uh, what happened in, uh, uh, in uh, Portland, where a, one of the Trump guys riding along in vans inciting response is shooting rubber bullets, I guess, or paintballs. Apparently, there was someone shot by someone in the crowd with a bullet killed. I think that okay, person. Okay, so, so none of he's all jumbled up and confusing his stories. He's confusing one story with another. Uh, oh, and this one was when he was in Wisconsin, and he talks about how uh, a black guy invented the light bulb, not a white guy named Thomas Edison. Let's listen to this. We gotta, for example, why in God's name don't we teach history in history classes? A black man invented the light bulb, not a white guy named Edison. Okay? There's so much. Did anybody know before what's recently happened? By, by the way, did you guys hear that? Like, there, there's like, a, it's floating around. He farted because he kind of bends forward when he says not a white guy. I want, I'm going to play that part again. And I want you to listen right before he says white guy. You hear this little, like that. see if you can pick it up. In God's name, don't we teach history in history classes? A black man invented the light bulb, not a white guy named Edison. Okay? <laughs> Did you guys hear that? You pro- I don't know if you could pick it up or not. Uh, by the way, for the record, no, it was not, by the way. Uh, Thomas Edison did invent it. A black man did invent an improved filament that made it more practical for home use. And that's kind of what happened. And then at that same town hall, guys, the big complaint is all of this is scripted, right? Joe Biden, not only can he not call in reporters, but he has to have his aide call in reporters with pre-scripted questions. Everything from top to bottom is scripted and teleprompted. I mean, say what you will about Trump, right? Big dumb idiot. Fine. You hate him. At least he fucking stands up there and gets yelled at by reporters and there's no teleprompter and he fucking has to talk shit out of his ass every day. This is all scripted. And one chick in Minnesota... I'm sorry, Wisconsin at the Kenosha Town Hall event. She got up there and she said, look, I was told to go off this paper, but I'm not going to. I'm going to speak about something else. Uh, So she's going to walk up to the mic. And again, she admits it out loud. She's like, yeah, I was supposed to go off this uh, paper. Let's listen. Hello, my name is Portia Bennett. Um, I'm just going to be honest, Mr. Biden. I was told to go off this paper, but I can't. You need the truth. And I'm part of the truth. I was born here, raised here. First eighth grade class of the school that was named after his mother. So I have to give you the truth of the people. And the truth of the matter is we are heavily angry. Okay, I'll, I'll just stop her there. The point being is that everything is completely scripted. Uh, let's see, do I have any more from... Uh, the Joe Biden hour. Let's see. Oh, here's one. 
Uh, here is uh, the Fox News reporter actually grabbing Biden on his way out and asking while he was still hosting rallies in March if he was supposedly warning Trump about the series of COVID-19 in January, because he has said that. So let's listen to a little bit of this. But the power of our example. Thank you all so very much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. I, I know you always ask a hostile question, but go ahead. Uh, I think so. Uh, you said, and you have said recently, that uh, you warned. You said that you warned President Trump in January that there was going to be a pandemic and what needed to be done. If you knew that, then why were you still hosting crowded campaign rallies in March? Now, what I talked about was not what had to be done. What I said, you've got to take this seriously. You've got to insist that we have access to Wuhan. Insist that we have access in China to find out for ourselves. We had 44 people from CDC there. You cannot continue to talk about uh, uh, the president of China saying he's done a, a marvelous job. He's doing a great, a great job. When it got up to March, I kept saying, look, you've got to invoke. And you remember, I think I was the first, I may be mistaken, person calling about the Defense Production Act. We don't have enough of the, I, I, it's amazing we use a phrase like PPE and the public knows what that is now. But protective equipment and gear and value. All right, I'll just basically he goes on like a five minute long deflective rant and he never answers the question. And that was like I said, the, one of the few that was like not scripted. Oh, God, anything else? And I have about this. Oh well, I have a so I have a few. Uh, yeah, I I got a few others. Let's go to this one. Of course, another big shitstorm this week was Nancy Pelosi. Yep, that's right. She was getting shit on because she went and visited a salon, contrary to the COVID-19 rules. Now, security footage, and you guys all saw this stuff, showed Pelosi with wet hair and without a mask, uh-oh, out inside this place called E-Salon. In San Francisco, of course, face coverings are mandatory in most public settings, and salons may only cut hair outdoors under these new rules. So, it appeared to be closed. Now, there's some controversy. Owner Erica Kiaus said that Pelosi had an appointment with a stylist who rents space there. So, the stylist washed Pelosi's hair and gave her a blow dry. And then the fucking owner of the salon kind of like narked her out a little bit. And now there's some Pelosi's claiming this was like a big uh, setup to make her look bad. Let's listen to Nancy Pelosi at this press conference. I've been there many over the years. I've been there many times. I appreciate I appreciate the question. And let me just say this. I take responsibility for trusting uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times. And that um, when they said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time and that we can set up that time, I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Anything else? Excuse me? I know you can't hear the question, but I want to hear her like yell at the reporters. Well, I don't. I think that they owe, uh, that this salon owes me an apology for setting up.
but I will say this in fairness to him and in sympathetic to him. We have to get our country moving again. And I will not let this subject take away from the fact that we have 180,000 plus people who have died from this virus. Uh, since we passed the bill, more than half of those people have died since we passed uh, the legislation. 4.6 million, I know, 4.6 million have become infected since we passed the legislation. And in, in, uh, there are answers, there are scientific answers for this. 96 million, excuse me, 96,000 people have died since we passed the HEROES Act. So they want to jump on this. I think it's really important for us to pass the bill so in a scientific way we can address the virus and we can bring people back to work. I have been inundated by people who are in the hair service industry saying, thank you for calling attention to this. We need to get back to work. We need to get back to work. And many of them annoyed at the uh, uh, setup that was there for a purpose that has nothing to do with uh, uh, ending the crisis. Any other questions? Here's where she gets mad. I said that's the answer I'm going to answer. I'm all, that's all I'm going to do. I, that's all I'm going to do. I'm, that's all I'm going to answer. Do you have any questions about the fact that people are dying, that schools need to open, and the rest? I Change the subject. Change the subject. Uh, but, hey, you got to hand it to Nancy. She's like, fuck them, basically. And I'm not apologizing. And she didn't. Now it's a non-story. So. Uh, and then uh, this was great, too. Richard Grinnell... He decided to uh, yell at the reporters in the media, which I always love. So let's uh, listen a little bit. Uh, clearly, uh, you were effective here as the special envoy uh, to these talks between Serbia and Kosovo. But I wanted to ask you about another initiative you led. Uh, last year, you kicked off the Trump administration push to decriminalize homosexuality. Yeah, I'm going to just talk about Kosovo and Serbia. I'm, I don't know if you can find it on a map, but this is atrocious. I have to tell you guys, you might be too young to understand what this issue is about. Maybe the older journalists should step up and say, this is a big deal. This is a big issue. I I'm astounded at what happens in Washington, D.C., and especially in this room. I, I got to tell you, get substantive. Maybe it's too complicated of an issue for you all. But <laughs> this is the first time we've had the opportunity to speak with these individuals. Okay, but today's Las Postpone Serbia. Let's take a little time and talk about this 21-year issue, Peter. I mean. 21-year issue, we're getting the same questions that are all politics. I don't, you guys don't understand what's happening outside of Washington, D.C. People aren't listening to you. Okay, I'm going to stop. And I have more on the Kosovo-Serbia thing and deal because they, they, yeah, they don't, they don't give a shit. They just want to know the zinger. Zing uh, Richard Grinnell and Trump. And then uh, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler, the hapless loser mayor of Portland, uh, decided to hold a press conference earlier this week, and he decided to digress and deflect onto Trump. What have I told you guys? Whenever the, one of these lib politicians is getting shit on because of their brutal incompetence, this is what they do. They they just yell about Trump because they know the media eats that shit up. Let's listen to Ted Wheeler here. You've tried to divide us more than any other figure in modern history, and now you want me to stop the violence that you helped create. What America needs is for you to be stopped so that we can come back together as one America while recognizing that we must demand that all people, black, brown, white, every color, 
from every political persuasion, pull together and hold all people accountable. Okay, I'll just stop it there. Apparently that didn't work because he was chased out of his condo. They were trying to set his condo on fire, and now he's being forced to move. So I don't think any of the uh, Trump rhetoric worked very well. And then finally, let's finish with Trump. Uh, this was controversial. He was asked to comment on that Kyle Rittenhouse. That was the kid who shot the uh, people in Wisconsin. Let's listen to his answer. Peaceful there. protest, totally. It was a supporter okay. of yours, go Mr. Ahead. President. Yeah, go ahead. That was an interesting situation. You saw the same tape as I saw, and uh, he was trying to get away from them, I guess, it looks like, and he fell, and then they very violently attacked him, and it was something that we're looking at right now, and it's under investigation. Okay, notice the difference between the media yelling at Trump and the way they fucking asked Joe Biden, like, what do you think about his soul? It's friggin' embarrassing, dude, honestly. Is that all I have for the political roundup? Yeah, let's move on. Let's keep it going, guys, because that took a lot longer than I thought. Um, let's go to... Uh, let's see, what do I have? Well, let's. we haven't done an illegal immigration roundup in a long time. Let's go to that. Uh, illegal immigration is now surging once again as coronavirus fades as a deterrent. Federal agents nabbed nearly 50,000 illegal immigrants along the southern border in August. That is the worst month in one year. And the flow was almost all single adults, uh, as opposed to the families that surged into the U.S. last year. And they're not looking to get caught. So the rise in numbers suggest even more are getting away. And uh, almost all the new arrivals who were caught were immediately expelled across the border under a Center for Disease Control and Prevention order during the pandemic. So once again, illegal immigration back in the news. Okay, let's see. Let's go to a few more international stories, you guys. Let's go to Saudi Arabia, who announced this week that it would allow any flights going to and from the United Arab Emirates to fly over its territory. This is a move that would give Israel access to some of the kingdom's airspace for the first time. And that announcement was made at the request of the UAE, and it came days after the first direct flight from Israel to the Emirates. That's a symbolic move as those two nations begin normalizing relations, as we talked about a podcast or two ago. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said uh, this is a tremendous breakthrough. Flights will be cheaper, shorter. It will lead to robust tourism and develop our economy. Uh, so the flight from Tel Aviv to Abu Dhabi this week passed through Saudi airspace. The first time the kingdom had explicitly allowed an Israeli commercial jet to pass over its territory. So this is, uh, this is good. This is a good thing. Maybe the crazy mullahs are finally starting to lose some influence. And how about this one? Do you guys remember the Charlie Hebdo attacks in Paris? Yeah, well, the trial over those January 2015 attacks is now opening in Paris. If you don't remember, Charlie Hebdo is that satirical news magazine 
where the accused busted into their offices and a kosher supermarket and killed 17 people. And, uh, yeah, it's starting now. And the two brothers who carried out the attacks, Saeed and Sharif Kouachi, did die in a shootout with police north of Paris two days later. And a third attacker, Ahmedi Koulibaly, killed a police officer in a Parisian suburb and four Jewish hostages at a kosher supermarket before dying himself when the police stormed uh, the building. So, with all the current assailants dead, this trial is really about guys who are charged with providing logistical aid to the assailants, and they range in age from 29 to 68. Most of them are facing up to 20 years in prison, and they said they you know, kind of supplied these guys with like cash, weapons, vehicles, something like that. And in a first for a terrorism case, the proceedings will be filmed for posterity. And in years to come, there's a couple more major terrorism cases coming up to trial in France, including over the November 2015 attacks in Paris and one in Nice in July of 2016, and again, often without the perpetrators because they uh, usually get killed. So 13 men and one woman stand accused in the trial, which was postponed because of the coronavirus pandemic, but now they're trying to uh, do it. Under French law, terrorism cases are tried by professional magistrates, not juries. Uh, French law also usually bars cameras from courtrooms, so filming this is like seen a, a big deal. Only a few trials have ever been filmed over the past three decades for historical purposes, often in cases involving crimes against humanity, like for Klaus Barbie, the former Nazi Gestapo chief in Lyon, or Pascal Simbakangwa, a former Rwandan intelligence official accused of genocide. So interestingly enough, with this Charlie Hebdo case, they actually decided to republish the infamous cartoon that led to them storming the place in the first place. And this was about the Prophet Muhammad, right? They published this, and that's when these terrorists decided to attack the magazine and kill all these people. And as fallout from this, this is crazy. Somebody was being interviewed on the BBC. This was a former journalist at Charlie Hebdo named Caroline Forrest. And she was close with any of the victims. And she was about to be interviewed by Britain's Sky TV, which she was. And she decided to try to hold up the copy of the magazine with the cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad, and you'll hear the BBC break away. Let's I'm listen very to this. sad, very sad, that journalists in UK do not support us, that journalists in UK betray what journalism is about by thinking that people cannot be grown enough to decide if a drawing is offending or not, because you're not even showing it. Is this, which is completely crazy, 
that in UK you cannot show a simple drawing as that. So we're not, we're, with Mohammed Sky News, we've chosen not to show that cover, so we would appreciate Caroline uh, not showing that. I do apologise uh, for any of our viewers who may have been offended Unbelievable. by that. Unbelievable. We've taken the editorial decision not to feature the cover of Charlie Ebdon. Wow. Yeah, so she tried to hold it up, and the fucking cuck journalist at the BBC was like, oh, no, 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 real profiles encourage of course they have long had that policy they don't want to rile up their crazed jihadists living in their country and in pakistan they did fucking pro tens of thousands of people came out and protested against charlie Hebdo reprinting that cartoon that mocked the prophet muhammad that cartoon was first published in 2005 by the way and yeah, tens of thousands of people. And this is what all the uh, wiener journalists at the BBC are afraid of happening. They can't even show a picture of it because, you know, those, those people just can't have any self-control, I guess. They can't be expected to abide by, you know, Western standards of free speech and democracy is what you're telling them. Unreal. Okay, and uh, let's see, a couple other uh, international news stories. Let's go to Canada. I know i got a lot of Canadian listeners as well. You know, they tore down a statue of Canada's first prime minister, Sir John MacDonald. He's actually also on the $10 bill of the country he helped create 153 years ago. But he is now highly problematic. He's been criticized as a racist who ruthlessly tried to wipe out indigenous culture. So a crowd of cheering activists tore his statue down in a square in Montreal over the weekend. Politicians across the political spectrum in Canada actually did denounce the act, so i got to hand it to them. Uh, Prime Minister Blackface Justin Trudeau said that while a country must inform itself about both the positive and negative aspects of its leaders, vandalism had no place in a country with the rule of law. So... The politicians there are planning on bringing it back. We'll see if they actually uh, do so. I spoke of Rwanda earlier. Well, the guy, they made it, remember they made a movie out of what happened in Rwanda called Hotel Rwanda? Well, the hero of that movie is a real life guy named Paul Rusesa Begina. He was the hotel manager who saved more than 1,200 Rwandans during the 1994 genocide. Well, he landed in Dubai last Thursday for some reason. And now that's the last time that his family, he texted his family when he landed in Dubai, and that was the last his family said they heard of him until Monday this week when authorities in the Rwandan capital of Kigali paraded him in handcuffs in front of the media and said he was being held on charges including terrorism, arson, and murder. Uh, you know, he he's a well-known human rights activist, but in Rwanda itself, they debate his reputation in that. In Rwanda, he is known as a fierce opponent of the country's president, a guy named Paul Kagame, who has clamped down hard on dissent. And his family is saying he was kidnapped. It's unclear how he got from Dubai to Rwanda. Uh, so his family's like, yeah, they swooped in and fucking got these and got this guy and brought him back. Remember Rwandan genocide. I've talked about it a few times 
Yeah. Oh, he got the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President George W. Bush in 2005. Wow. But he's become involved in politics from Rwanda, and so that's where all the charges are coming from. If you want to read a good book, and I've mentioned this book before about the Rwanda genocide, read um, Machete Season. It's uh, interviews, first-person interviews with all the people who took place from Rwanda genocide. It's fucking gnarly, dude. Pretty crazy stuff. What else do I have for you guys? Uh, let's go. Let's do a few. Let's do a few fun stories here. Well, this one is going around. How about this one in Australia? Let's go back there for a minute. A pregnant woman got handcuffed and arrested in her home in Melbourne, Australia, because she made a Facebook post about the protest. Let's listen to a little bit of this. Search warrant. Search warrant for what? Now, what I will explain to you is, is if you want to listen, you got your phone going? Yeah, I do, yeah. Right. Now, you're under arrest in relation to incitement. Incitement? Yeah, but now, you're not obliged to say or do anything, but anything you say or do may be given in evidence. Excuse me, incitement for what? What the, What on earth? Excuse me, what What on earth? Yeah, just put your phone down. Can you, like, record this? I'm in my pajamas. What's this? Yeah, she's pregnant, so being handcuffed. What's this about? I have an ultrasound just let me finish. in an hour. Let me finish and I'll explain. It's in relation to a Facebook post, in relation to a lockdown protest you put on for Saturday. Yeah, and I wasn't breaking any laws by doing you that. You are actually. You are breaking all. That's why I'm arresting you in relation to this. How can you children, arrest her? That's... In front of my two children. Can't you just say to her, take the post down? Like, come I mean, on. I'm happy to delete the post. This is ridiculous. Yeah. But I have to give you these caution and rights. You understand? Yeah, that's You're fine. Not, like, I'm happy to delete to the post. This is ridiculous. Like, I just said, that's Maybe fine. Maybe giving evidence. You understand that? Yeah, that's fine. But my two kids are here. I have an ultrasound in an hour. Like, I'm happy to delete the post. You also have the right to communicate with or to communicate with a legal practitioner. Do you understand those rights? Yeah, this is ridiculous. Yeah, this is a bit unfair. Come on, mate. No, we, what about she just doesn't do the event? Like, it's not like she's done it. Well, she made a post. Already committed the offence. So I'm not going to. So argue. that's an offence. Now, the search warrant entitles us, and we are required to seize any computers, no. any mobile devices. You have. Uh, wow. Yeah. Can I just get your badge there, mate? It's all there. All right, let me see. Wow, that's insane. So they're going to steal all our computers, too. See? You guys fucking think freedom of speech. <laughs> it's tenuous at best. At fucking best. No good. In I mean, at least America's really like the last bastion, honestly. Oh, uh, let's see. How about that? I got a few other amusing videos here. How about this one? An Arkansas sheriff was forced to resign after coming under fire over a recording. Sheriff Todd Wright resigned effective immediately. And Wright is heard on the recording becoming upset that a woman he was with spoke to a black person in a store. Uh, throughout the recording, the woman refers to the man as Todd. The man in the recording uses a racial slur against black people about nine times. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. And then uh, also we had another cop here who was also recorded. This is in South Carolina. This was a white cop who got into it with somebody debating about the N-word. 
and he, they just you hear all the white people becoming very uncomfortable with him actually saying the word out loud. Let's listen to this. That's the cop. My issue is you talking to these people of color as if they are less than human. The people of color. The gentleman right there that called me a nigger. Damn, that's, Ryan, that's that guy that just called me a nigger. Are you that serious? Can you stop saying that word? Actually, you did. It's on body cam, so try again. Try again. Are you serious? Yes, sir, you did. No, 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 yes, sir, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. It's on camera. On camera. Right there. You just did it again. No, I did not. Yes, you did. Dude, there's only like 17. You got mad because I told you you couldn't drink your drink, so you called me that word. What word? Okay. Can we say it again? Yeah, yeah, actually, I do. Say it. Why? Because all you're doing is calling me ignorant. That's what that word means. If you'd like to call yourself ignorant, keep saying it. Actually, if you look in the dictionary, it does mean that. Dictionary. Yeah. Read that thing. Oh, you mean the dictionary that has been established by people who established the law? Right. Established by people of the law. Oh, you mean that? Correct. When I was called that, I can say it back, saying the guy just called. Oh, I can't. No. He can say it to me, but I can't say it to you. No. White. Right. You're white. Who cares what color I am? He called me a word. It's a racist word. It's not a racist word. I said he called me that word. Nobody was you called that. You can't use it. You no can't one. use it. Yeah, you shut up. Right. No. You are I can't. I can't even. Grow up. No. Okay. All right. Okay. Let me. Start. So, so you guys tracking on that? He's using the word that the guy used back to him and saying, "Hey, use this word on me." Like you know, I, I, if it's quoted in a story, I'm gonna say it too. But. Oh God! I I love white people who want to be involved. You know, they they gotta get over there. It's like it has it, it didn't even have anything to do with them. And how about this one? Here is I put this I put this one out on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual. This was a popular TikTok influencer, a military guy named Second Lieutenant Nathan Freehofer. He has nearly three million followers on TikTok. Well. He decided to post a joke about the Holocaust. Uh-oh. And this went, the woke vets lost their goddamn minds over this video. Let me play it first. Here we go. Here's the joke. Reason one million why I will never be verified. Dark jokes. Aha! Listen to this one. Why? What's a Jewish person's favorite uh, Pokemon character? Ha-ha! <laughs> Ash. <laughs> and if you get offended, get the fuck out because it's a joke. Don't be a pussy! Okay, there you go. And uh, <laughs> that they... Oh, boy, the lieutenant was in deep shit after that one. They did not like that joke at all. And he has uh, since been disciplined somehow in within the military. Let's see what else. And then, of course, you guys know I love the mask meltdowns. We had a mask meltdown in Alaska. I have not heard any of this clip yet, but I heard it was very good, so I'm just going to play it unheard. Let's listen to it. Blind, ignorant, you don't have the ability to even come up with your own fucking ideas. I will leave when I've sued. You've not established authority to tell me to leave. You go get a manager. You want to talk? You find a manager that I can no longer. You have four managers here. Are you exercising 
your right as a private company take away my rights. Yes. Jesus Christ. You can say you can refuse service. Yes. You're refusing my service. Yes. Why don't you say we refuse your service? No. I choose to yell, and you cannot stop me. Bye. Please return to your service of Satan in your ignorant belief that you are right. That's cool. Bye. Please, in the future, respect my rights. No one else's. You will never fucking get my six foot space. And then think I'm not going to tell you. Wow. Oh, I know. Stop me. I know. Do you want to stop? Don't touch her. Don't touch her. Bring your police. Bring your police. Have a good day, sir. You will not. Have a good day. I got you on video, so why don't you just go ahead and leave? I have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Have a good day. My happiness is best served by standing in your face and say you're a fool and wrong. You have no authority over me. Quit spitting all over people. Huh? Quit spitting all over people. Do you need my ID? No, I don't. I need You're to trying to fucking like witness that I'm wrong. No, if you touch me, I have proof. No, you threatened to hit me. I all have proof. Not because, me, them. Because you're you? trying to fight everybody in the goddamn Bullshit. store. Now, fight involves contact, doesn't it? Yeah, and you're about <laughs> in my fucking no, contact. Bro. You got. You're about in my contact. And when you got my face and threatened to hit me, you were this close, bitch. Because you, you stepped up. Jesus Christ, dude. Oh, my God. Ugh, what is wrong with people? Dude, that guy was fucking on a good one. I love the, uh, I love the, uh, you know, the, the lawyer. Everybody's a lawyer now, right? You know, they have, like, they're, they're experts in, like, the law and, like, what they can and can't do. <laughs> it's too fucking funny. Oh, shit. Oh, and then, oh, God, I almost forgot this one. This was a guy who, a USC professor, he was placed on leave after using a Chinese word during a lecture. It's on Zoom. And he's saying a Chinese word that sounds like an English racial slur. Uh-oh, I think you know which one it is. It will become apparent which racial slur it is. Right now. So, you, again, he's going to use a Chinese word. Let's listen to this one. Here we go. You have a lot of armorers, and this is culturally specific. So, based on your native language, like in China, the, the common word is that, 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 that. So, in China, it might be nega, 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 nega. So, there's different words that you'll hear in different countries, but they're vocal disfluencies. It's saying that, 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 um, 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 er, er, er. Okay, things. that was it. So, it was that. So, he was using the Chinese word nega. And the students reported him, and now he's placed on leave. Everything is just fucking completely stupid now, isn't it? Unreal. All right, and uh, let's see. What else? Speaking of stupid stuff, this was also one of my favorites, as long as we're on the race topic. An African-American history professor at George Washington University has admitted that she's been pretending to be black her entire career in an online confession. Jessica Krug revealed in a Medium post, it's like where you can go, it's like a blog, that she has lied about being black her entire career. And she is an African-American history associate professor and 
admitted to deceiving her friends and colleagues. She said that in, in this Medium post that she's actually white and Jewish. Obviously, this is reminiscent of the scandal involving Rachel Dolezal. That's the former NAACP leader who was exposed in 2015 as the white woman who was pretending to be black. Yeah, she's 38 years old. Uh, she said in a blog post, you guys want to Google it and read it for yourself, the blog post is titled, The Truth and the Anti-Black Violence of My Lies. <laughs> she wrote, quote, For the better part of my adult life, every move that I've made, every relationship I've formed, has been rooted in the napalm toxic soil of lies, end quote. That's hilarious. Yep. So another faker. I mean, I thought like black people in America were horribly oppressed. So why would she pretend to be black? She has a PhD. She described herself as a cultural leech and a coward. She got all kinds of like grants, all kinds of shit. Her neighbor in the Bronx told the Daily Mail that Krug would call her white trash and tell her, the neighbor, that she was gentrifying the neighborhood by going running. Oh, that is fantastic. And then, in more racial scandals, Warner Music has paid $85 million for an Instagram page called Daquan. Uh, apparently, so this Instagram, I never heard of it. It's Daquan. It's got 15.5 million followers. And it's some kind of urban Instagram page. I guess they, uh, you know, they have, you know, memes and shit from around the internet, all that stuff. So Warner Music Group, yeah, they, they decided to acquire this for this uh, this much money. Well, as a result of the deal... This page is aimed at black urban humor. Well, it wasn't owned by a black guy. It was owned by a guy named Barack Shiragai, who is the CEO of IMGN Media. <laughs> he bought the account from a Canadian black teenager in 2016 and then never changed the page's name or profile picture because he didn't want the anybody to know that now it was some guy who was not black who had the page. That's funny as fuck, dude. And the original guy was Canadian. He wasn't African-American. He was a Canadian black guy. I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, let's see. I have a few also clips from the various protests that were making around. Here's a few of them uh, assembling in D.C. to protest the police shooting of Dion K. Let's listen to this. Wake up, wake up, wake up. This is outside the mayor's house. Black lives matter. Blue lives beat their wives. Black lives matter. Blue lives beat their wives. Black lives matter. Blue lives beat their wives. Black lives matter. Wow. Okay. And then here's one um, saying uh, she's yelling. Starts yelling at the neighbors too. Lost their brother today. Somebody lost their friend, their cousin, their loved one, because y'all won't stop killing us. I'm sick of having to come here. It is 1 a.m. I do not want to be here. But y'all won't stop. Y'all. 
Who's so neither will we. All right, let me just let me say, in case you missed out, I didn't cover this story, but Yonkei, he was chased by the cops. He turned around, he had a gun in his hand. Fucking game over. That's it. He pulled out a gun. You're done, dude. At that point. And uh, let's see, then they were harassing people in restaurants. Um, let's see, what else do I have from protesters? Uh, oh, here we go. Here's a, here, this is also in D.C. Here's a guy saying he's ready to put D.C. cops in their graves. Let's listen to this. I'm at the point where I'm ready to put these police in the fucking grave. I'm at the point where I want to burn the fucking White House down. Yeah. I want to take it to the senators. I want to take it to the Congress. I want to take the fight to them. And at the end of the day, if they ain't going to hear us, we burn them the fuck down. All right. You're I'm one that talk real shit. I talk it in New York, and I talk it in D.C. The same way I fuck police up in New York, I fuck cops up here in D.C. Yeah. The same way I bust police in the head in New York, I bust police in the head in D.C. Now, it's a lot of people, and I'm going to be honest, it's a lot of people that's on this front line. And one of the things that I always say, don't get on this fucking front line if you ain't gonna fucking fight. Yeah. Don't get on this front line if you ain't gonna take no hit. <laughs> don't get on this front line when the police fucking push up, you push back. Okay, yeah, push them back. There you go, push them back. I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. Push the, go fight the cops. I'm totally with you. And uh, here's one more from uh, DC. Let's listen to this guy. Oh, he's trying to turn the microphone What's on. What's going here. on, everybody? My name's John Sullivan. I'm from Salt Lake City, Utah. My group is Insurgents USA. We fucking about to burn this shit down. Fuck this shit. Who, anybody out here seen that white militia guy shoot three, ki three kids? Yeah. What is his name? Yeah. Fuck that guy. And I will tell you this shit is in Utah, a whole bunch of white militia came out there formed against our group. We out there strapped. We out there ready to burn that shit down. We out there to defend our fucking self. We gotta defend ourselves now too. We do. Cause power to the people. 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 Damn right. Damn right. We gotta fucking, we gotta fucking rip Trump out of that office right over there. Fucking pull him out that shit. Nah, nah, we ain't about fucking waiting until the next election. We about to go get that motherfucker. Oh, go do it. That shit. So go do you know it. What time it is. I want y'all to be after me. It's time. It's time. For a revolution. For a revolution. It's time. It's time. For a revolution. For a revolution. It's time. For a revolution. Okay, very good. All right, go rip Trump out of the White House. I'm sure the Secret Service will just stand by and uh, do nothing. So I highly encourage you to do that. Okay, speaking of protesters, also we had a, uh, the Antifa guy was shot and killed by law enforcement. That's right, the guy who shot the Trump supporter in Portland, Oregon, that was Michael Rianol, 48 years old. God, he was shot by officers from a federally-led fugitive task force during the encounter in Washington State, according to U.S. Marshal Service. He apparently there's a big shootout. New York Times really sanitizes this story. Apparently the dude is a big shootout. But the suspect did produce a firearm and they neutralized him permanently. 
Very good. They said that Reinald had a handgun on him and all that. Remember, an arrest warrant for murder had been obtained by the Portland police. And this was on the same day that Vice News published an interview with this guy, which I'm not going to play because I don't want to add to his propaganda, which he appeared to admit to the August 29th shooting of Aaron Danielson, saying, quote, I had no choice, end quote. And you guys saw that from last week. That was when one of the supporters of President Trump, remember they did a big motorcade. They came into downtown Portland. They started fighting with all the Antifa guys, and he was self-proclaimed Antifa. He said, I'm 100% Antifa. And, oh, here it is. He posted on Instagram in June, quote, I am 100% Antifa all the way. I am willing to fight for my brothers and sisters. We do not want violence, but we will not run from it either, end quote. All right, good. Um, after he was killed by law enforcement, Attorney General William Barr said in a statement that, quote, the streets of our cities are safer, end quote. Oh, so he is all done. And remember, Antifa was very happy that Danielson got murdered. Uh, as a matter of fact, you can hear them in this clip through a bullhorn. Let's just do it. not sad that a fascist died tonight in case you can make that out and uh also just you probably guys probably saw like many people saying well who cares if they burn shit down they have insurance which is one of the stupidest fucking things i've ever heard if you if you're an adult and have ever had to deal with an insurance company okay first of all say it works out beautifully right that you eventually do get paid 100 for all of your expenses which is rare but let's just for argument's sake say it happens that's still like hours and hours and hours of your life that you're never going to get back of being on the phone and answering emails and producing forms and going through claims and talking with some fuckface at the insurance company whose only job is to pay you as little money as possible. So the, all those people who were like, oh, what's the big deal? They have insurance. First of all, they don't, and they don't know what they're talking about anyway. A lot of these people rent you know, storefronts and maybe they might not have insurance, or maybe they have some form of insurance. It might not cover their inventory. It might just cover the building. You know what I'm saying? So people who sneeringly dismiss people's livelihoods getting destroyed being like, oh, well, they have insurance are fucking morons, 100%. Well, in a rare episode of journalism, the Minneapolis Star Tribune actually read a great article, and I want you guys to Google this and share it with your stupid friends. Quote, skyrocketing demolition costs for riot-damaged Minneapolis-St. Paul properties delay rebuilding, end quote. And basically, they go into all these um, businesses. For example, uh, the Sports Dome Retail Complex in St. Paul, Paul was completely destroyed. A construction crew was hired by the city, knocked down the building. Then the city presented the property owners with a $140,000 bill for what it would cost to haul away the debris. Property owner Jay Kim, his insurance policy covers a maximum of $25,000 in demolition costs. So he's about fucking, 
He's a little he's a little short, isn't he? About 115 grand. And they are now stunned. Many property owners discover that the money they would collect from an insurance company for demolition will not come close to the actual costs of doing the job. Most policies limit reimbursement to $25,000 to $50,000, but contractors have been submitting bids of $200,000 to $300,000. In many cases, the price of the work is not much lower than the actual value of the property. And contractors acknowledge, for their part, they're saying, hey, look, we know this is higher than usual, but they say that's because government regulations require them to treat all debris from a burned-out building as hazardous. And an industry veteran said that those rules can double their demolition costs. So, the costs now are so high that many rebuilding projects, they're not even worth it. So now they have fucking huge sections of Minneapolis and St. Paul with scorched buildings and piles of fucking rubble that are going to be there forever. Nice fucking job. Real nice. You burned out. Have you guys seen audio uh, video of these blocks? I mean, we're talking whole city blocks that look like goddamn uh, Somalia. Freaking Beirut after their ammonium nitrate explosion. It's just burnt. And it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Who's going to pay? So it's just going to sit there. Fucking bang up job, woke Mayor Jacob Fry. Real bang. You guys did great. You guys did great. Oh, yeah. Way to go, Black Lives Matter protesters. Freaking arsonists. And I mentioned Beirut. Speaking of Beirut, remember all that ammonium nitrate I just brought up? Well, they found a shitload more in a Senegal port. <laughs> they they found a shitload of ammonium nitrate sitting in one of their ports. Um, and they are looking to transport more than 3,000 tons of ammonium nitrate. That's more than exploded in Beirut out of Dakar. That is the densely populated capital of Senegal. So yeah, the disaster in Beirut has prompted these countries all over the world to look around and say, hey, do we have any fucking huge piles of ammonium nitrate sitting around for years and years and years, which is incredibly unstable and it could explode in a devastating fashion at any point in time? Do we have any of those? Maybe we should fucking check. So they're looking at it. Uh, <clears throat> Belarus update. You guys know I've been covering that. That's Alexander Lukashenko, the president of Belarus. He is no longer suppressing demonstrations that have gone on for weeks, but he's like uh, hunkering down, basically. He's not going away anytime soon. Tens of thousands of people continue to march on his palace. But yeah, he ain't, uh, he's going nowhere. The crowds are still really large. They think the protester numbers, some of these crowds are more than 100,000 people. And again, remember that all started with that August 9th presidential election where Lukashenko claimed a landslide victory that was widely believed to have been falsified and now Putin is fucking sticking his neck in there and uh, all kinds of other crap. Okay, let's see what else I got for you. Just, I want to make sure I got all the good. I want to make sure I have all the good video. Oh, the, all right, how about some? This was kind of funny and going around. A uh, guy in, where is, 
Lincoln. Is this Lincoln, Nebraska? I don't know. It just says Lincoln. Again, huge pet peeve of mine, guys. You could fucking just put at the top of your website, you could just put what state you're in. Wouldn't take up much space. Anyway, this guy spoke at a recent city council meeting about the term of boneless chicken wings, and he does not like that term. He's like, this is not part of the wing itself, and we need to uh, rectify the situation. Let's hear from this guy bitching about chicken wings as he walks up here. Let's go. Here we go. And then you. Okay. I promise I won't take up too much of your time here. My name is Andrew Christensen. Uh, I live at 1212 Twin Ridge Road. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as, as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we as a city Remove the excuse me. I'm trying to yeah, excuse me. Sure. Come on <laughs> Okay, I, I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts These are our reasons why number one Nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats But then we go around to pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing mm. number two boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken <laughs> okay. and it's delicious. All right. Yes, obviously it's a bit, but it was still pretty funny. Actually, he raised a good point with the bone with the the bone on the meat thing. I don't understand. I've never understood the obsession with boneless, skinless chicken breast, which tastes like fucking ass and has no flavor to it. When you could just as easily cook the bone in chicken breast and have it taste like infinitely better, and you can buy, and it's way cheaper by the way. All you have to do is cut the thing right off the bone, and it takes ten seconds. So for Christ's sakes, guys, don't be so lazy. Okay, I wanted to talk about this one. This was also floating around, and this was the California pedophilia law. And this was going all over. There's a lot of misinformation about this. It's not great, but it's not like legalizing pedophilia either. Let's, uh, let's get into it a little bit. This is Bill SB 145. It did pass the state Senate, so it's going to Gavin Newsom to be signed or vetoed. And it does not address the criminal classification of a sex with a minor as the first claim from the internet states. In California, a sex between a minor and someone over 18 can be treated as either a felony or misdemeanor, right? It's kind of at the judge's discretion. SB 145 would not change that. It would just make it the same for LGBT people as it is for heterosexual people. And this is, and who knows how this is going to be interpreted, right? But the bill's author, Scott Weiner, Big Lib, he says, for example, 
If an 18-year-old straight man has vaginal intercourse with his 17-year-old girlfriend, he is guilty of a crime, but he is not automatically required to register as a sex offender. Instead, the judge will use his discretion over whether that registration is warranted. Like if this is consensual, for example, would probably be a big freaking factor, right? However, under existing law, if an 18-year-old gay man has sex with his 17-year-old boyfriend, the judge must place him on the sex offender registry, no matter what the circumstances, okay? So, they're saying that this is just going to make it equal for, that discretion will now exist for gay people as well as for straight people. And there is not exactly it, it's it, it's a little vague but you also it doesn't mean like some because some people are like well if it's within 10 years then it'll be fine that's not true either like this doesn't apply if somebody's under 15 so if it's like a 14 year old girl and like a 19 year old guy that dude's going on the sex offender list this that, that's is is how i interpreted it so uh, I would encourage you to go read it for yourself. It, it's And it's not great, but it kind of boils down to whether or not you think a guy should always have to register as a sex offender if an 18-year-old guy or a 19-year-old guy has sex with their 17-year-old girlfriend. Like, say the dad gets pissed off, right? It can still be a misdemeanor, but the judge doesn't have to put him on the sex offender regis- uh, website, which kind of makes sense to me. But I'm sure maybe there's some loopholes in here that I'm not getting. I don't know. But I did want to correct that because I saw a lot of misinformation around it going around. What else? A huge YouTube star. I'm trying to run out of time here, guys. So I'm going to go through a few quickly. A huge YouTube star uh, died at the age of 26. He had 3.1 million YouTube subscribers and 6.5 million followers on Facebook. He's a Filipino comedian named Lloyd Cadena. And... This is kind of a latest in a string of social media star deaths. This follows 19-year-old Landon Clifford's suicide. He hanged himself in August. A vlogger, Nicole Thea, 24, who was pregnant, died of a massive heart attack. And a 16-year-old guy named Sia Kakar had 2 million followers on TikTok. He fucking killed himself. I wonder what the pressure is for these big creators when they're super young, you know? What's the pressure like on them? They have to be, like, on, like, constantly, you know? Okay, and speaking of uh, viral internet stuff, the rapper Richard Hawk, better known as Salento, or is it Salento? He was trending on Twitter. He was best known for his 2015 song, Watch Me. You know, Watch Me Whip, Watch Me Nay Nay, that guy. He's been arrested. He's 22 years old for arrested, alleged domestic violence and assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, And this was for a charge of inflicting corporal injury on a spouse or cohabitant. He allegedly went into a room also, this is in addition to that, he allegedly went into a random home while wielding a hatchet. He walked in there looking for his girlfriend. It was the wrong house. The homeowners and their children were home at the time. So imagine this guy comes walking with a hatchet screaming. And they took him to the ground to disarm him. 
Uh, his friend arrived at the home to tell the rapper he was at the wrong house, and they ran off before the cops got there. But then he, they found him, and they caught up with him, and he was arrested again. But that's not the only reason he was trending on Twitter. Several people started talking about a photo of the rapper that was making the rounds. Uh, how can I put this? Guys, I did see the photo. I strongly discourage you from Googling Silento anus photo. I'm just going to strongly discourage you from Googling it. Do not, under any circumstances, <laughs> Google that picture because I did, and I'm fucking scarred for life. I mean, it, it's pretty bad. And apparently it's him. It, it does look like him. It does look like him taking a selfie and everything, and I'm talking everything, is well in the view. And searches revealed that the photo had earlier appeared on Reddit for at least two weeks before the trend. Uh, so, again, I cannot urge you enough to not Google this picture. <laughs> so, but I know you guys are going to do it. Just fucking remember, I told you not to do it. Okay, quickly, a few other stories before I run out of time. I mentioned the Serbia-Kosovo thing. They have normalized economic ties as part of a U.S. brokered talks that include Belgrade moving its Israeli embassy to Jerusalem and Israeli and Kosovo agreeing to mutual recognition. Guys, who else is going to go from the genitals slash anus picture to Serbia and Kosovo? Who else is capable of doing it? Nobody else is. You know it. Well, this is a big deal over there. Serbian's uh, president and Kosovo's prime minister have agreed to cooperate on a range of economic fronts to attract investment and create jobs. And this is a big win for the Trump administration ahead of the November presidential election and furthers his administration's push to improve Israel's uh, international standing with those two countries. So... Very good. Obviously, those two countries hate each other for many, many years. goes way back. So that is a big deal. A U.S. Marine who killed a transgender woman in the Philippines has been ordered to be released. He was convicted in 2015 of killing that woman. Uh, this is Lance Corporal Joseph Scott Pemberton. He was then 20 years old. He was convicted of homicide in the 2014 death of Jennifer Loud, 26. He was sentenced to 6 to 12 years in prison, which was later reduced to 10, and has since been held. Well, the court granted an appeal from Pemberton on Tuesday and directed the Bureau of Corrections to release him. The court reasoned that he had served almost six years, including the time between his arrest and conviction, and apparently he was well-behaved in prison. And the Loud family, the victim, has also received $100,000 in civil damages. Uh, some of them, the family, are not happy with it, but uh, it looks like he's going to come home, so that's good. How about this fucking story, you guys? This is insane. I put this out on Twitter, too. A mom is fighting to ban child sex dolls after her daughter's likeness was used for one. Wow. So a photo of her child was stolen, and her likeness was turned into a sex doll that was legally for sale on Amazon and other websites. 
So she's trying to get bill legislation passed banning child sex dolls. Uh, currently, child sex dolls are only banned in Florida and two other states. Uh, she, how did she know it was a sex doll? Okay, she, for some reason, she was looking at Amazon. This is a $559 doll, and they do advertise it as a sex doll. According to the Amazon ad, it was a, quote, high-quality, sexy dolly, live dolls for men, end quote. Oh, God. There, there were product reviews. Oh, my God. One product review posted read, quote, good item during these times, end quote. Oh, Lord. The same dolls appear naked on another website. So obviously the mom freaked out. She reached out to Amazon. The ad was removed, but then she found the same doll on other sites on the internet, and then the media got involved, and they started seeing all this shit. That is wild. Tennessee and Kentucky are the other two states that have banned child sex dolls. You know, I've talked about this before. Like, where, like, what constitutes it? Like, what if you had a doll? And took like a photograph and, you know, pinned it to the doll's face and then, you know, cut strategic holes. Is that now a sex doll? You guys know what I'm saying? Or does it have to be like specifically manufactured for a doll? I'm asking these questions because eventually this is going to go to court and this is going to become a thing. Like, you know, what if it's just a regular doll and then you fucking, like I said, cut a hole in it and use it? And then you sell it to your buddy, your used stuffed animal or whatever. Is that now a sex doll? So then would it be a federal crime? You know what I'm saying? Like, where's the line? And yes, that will definitely come up in court at one point. A few bad teachers. A piano teacher gets a prison term for depraved sexual acts against a four-year-old girl. Darren Hogue, 35. Uh, This was in... Canada, actually. And he was at the kid's home. They were in the basement. And he ordered her to watch pornographic videos and then uh, fully take her clothes off before the piano teacher instructs her to turn around and bend over as he directed the camera on her genitals. Sick fuck. And then this guy, a elementary school teacher in Los Gatos out here in Cali, was arrested after reports of inappropriate behavior on the web conferencing app Zoom. This led investigators to track down alarming videos at his home. This started back in May when the sheriff's department in Santa Clara received a complaint from a 13-year-old boy who claimed that the director of the Los Gatos Youth Theater made him uncomfortable during a one-on-one call. The director was 50-year-old Joseph Haug of San Jose, and he allegedly kept asking the boy to see his abdomen muscles until the boy complied, and then another 13-year-old boy repeated a similar incident in which Haug asked to see his underwear during a Zoom call. He is a longtime teacher at Blossom Hill Elementary School in Los Gatos. God. And then a search warrant happened, and they found tons of stuff with young boys changing their underwear. And uh, all the usual stuff that you'd imagine. Fucking unbelievable. Uh, let's see. God, there's so much There's so much more, you guys, but I'm starting to run out of time here. The stock market fell in a big session. This is a big losing week for tech, finally, which has been on absolute fire. 
The Dow was down like 800 points at one point earlier in the week, uh, but did come back a little bit. It did have the Dow its best August since 1984. So we're coming along here. Stay the course, people. Stay the course. All right. And let's see. Do I have anything? Oh, here's a, here's a, quickly, guys, before I run out of time, here's a, a Karen. Oh, fuck you. Would you call that man a nigger? Fuck For you. no reason. Because he's a nigger. He's a filthy fucking nigger. Would you call all of us niggers? No, I didn't. I called him a nigger for acting like a fucking nigger. <laughs> so what do you call yourself? What do you think you are? My name's Tara. That's so, what I am. So what do you think you I'm are? I'm a mad fucking bitch. So you call people Fuck niggers when you get mad? I do. I call people niggers if they act like niggers. Hello? And what do you think you are? Right. Are yeah, there's still niggers, niggers filming me, so you need to hurry up. Who you calling a nigger? Oh. Oh. That's cool. She you spit on him and then he slapped her. Good. Slap her. Yeah, she got the shit slapped out of her for that one. Okay, guys, and now I'm running out of time, so I got to go to the big finish. How about this? This And I tweeted this one out, too, right before I started recording. Aaron Carter, the uh, singer, he's the younger brother of Backstreet Boys singer Nick Carter. Apparently, he's going to make his first porn. Yeah, he's going to star in a live adult cam show on Friday night. During the show, it will stream live on Cam Soda. The 32-year-old singer, uh, singer of such hits as Aaron's Party, he will apparently, quote, eat bananas teasingly and peel some with his feet. And then the representative also claims, quote, he will also masturbate for a live audience for the first time ever, end quote. (laughs) Carter seemingly confirmed the news on Instagram Friday afternoon. So he did not go into details about what his performance would include, but he's apparently taking cues from his fiance, Melanie Martin, who made her porn debut on the same website earlier this year. Oh my God, these people have—they're uh, having a tough time. Remember that these guys are having a big deal. Like he had a big deal with his brother, and a big old public meltdown. So guys, go over to Cam Soda and check out Aaron Carter and see if you can uh, see him pleasuring himself. That is all I got for you. There goes the iPad, uh, guys. Follow me on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual and Instagram at BK Actual, and I'd appreciate it if you went to Patreon and search for BK Actual. And chip into the podcast. It's the only really way I can keep it going, and so many of you do, and I can't really thank you enough, guys. That will do it for me. I'm out of here, and I'll see you next week. How you gonna rag to rag? Book bag at the big pop. Like high school, you can get jumped. Cake paid me like a week pop. Hey, bend it over, let me see something. Hey, I'm a monster, dumping niggas like a Tonka. GD crazy like my uncle. This not a Honda. Hell can't laugh like some Honda. Fuck 12, fuck you on them. Uh. Look, rappers think they tough. I swear to God, I don't give two fucks. Our nuts hanging, we gang banging. We bet who first took fuck some more.